is Jesus the gift that keeps on giving. For God so loved the world that he what, church? He gave. Giving is what makes Christmas Christmas. But unfortunately, many of us, we've made Christmas and giving about us and not about him. Giving from revelation should trump our situation. And this is why we're so caught up. We're giving each other gifts. Now, I, I, I ain't mad about it. But listen, the question is, have we lost the focus of what Christmas is about? But the knowledge or revelation of Jesus and his purpose in coming is what caused these wise men to get on their camels and find Jesus. And that's the point today, is that giving is easier and better when we give from a revelation perspective. Here's the question. How do we receive revelation so it can impact us? Here's point number two, very quickly. Revelation can be taught or called. Revelation can be taught or called. All revelation comes from God. Here's a second uh, way revelation comes. Revelation comes by reading and by teaching. And this is why it's important to read the word. The, listen, God can show you things in the word that you may not even hear at church. Here's a third way. Revelation can come through the apostles and prophets. Revelation can come from God's spirit. Here's the beautiful thing about that. Being a born again believer, we all have God's spirit. You know, God can tell you things that nobody would know other than him. Revelation can come from obeying. Now, this one is interesting. You know, just like the, 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 the when Jesus fed the 5,000, they didn't get a revelation that this was going to work till they obeyed it. Some things you're just not going to get a revelation of till you do it. And so here's point number three as we close. Giving is good. Watch this church when my heart is good. Because the reality of giving is that it is done from the heart. So if my heart is good, giving is good. If my heart is bad, giving will always seem bad. Amen. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. We're going to do our confession. You say, I feel like a Catholic sitting up and down. Don't worry about it. You're going to be all right. Grab, grab whatever you use to access the word and say, this is God's word. Come on, y'all need to sound better than the second service, all right? We're not competing, I'm just saying. Say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Eben's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today. I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open and I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus name. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the spirit of God. Holy Spirit, take that which has been written, that which has been studied, that which has been prayed over, and translate it into spirit so that every word that is spoken will be acceptable in God's sight. Breathe on your people. Get our hearts and our minds ready to receive the incorruptible word that is able to save and deliver our souls. And I thank you in advance that as we hear today, as we receive today, 
And as we purpose in our heart to let the word penetrate it, our lives will go to new levels. And I thank you in advance for signs, miracles, and wonders to follow the word today. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Last week, I started a new series entitled, Jesus, the gift that keeps on giving. Everybody say, Jesus, the gift that keeps on giving. And so we're in the Christmas season, and what a better time it is to discuss giving. Giving is what the birth of Jesus Christ is all about. John 3.16, we know the verse, it says, for God so what? Love the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, I mean, look, I have a hard time sometimes giving my last french fry away. But God gave his only begotten son, and then it says this. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, watch this, but have everlasting life. So the giving of Jesus, watch this, caused a perpetual cycle of eternal life for those who receive him. Do you see that? And so our last week title was Giving with Revelation. And so if you're taking notes today... And if you're here and you need the notes, just raise your hands and our ushers will give them to you. But our message title today is Adjust Your Motivation. Once we learn to give with revelation, we must now balance that out by adjusting our motivation. You say, well, pastor, help me understand. Well, that's what I'm going to do. And the goal of the message today is to show you why your heart must be properly adjusted so that your harvest can be consistently entrusted. I'm going to say that again because I'm preaching before I even start. The goal of the message today is to show you why your heart must be properly adjusted so your harvest can be consistently entrusted. And see, I'm going to show you today that your harvest levels are determined by your heart level. So let me summarize what it means to give with revelation because that's what I talked about on last week. So I'm going to summarize it with this statement. Giving with revelation is when you give with an understanding that God promises. Everybody say God promises. God's word promises increase, favor, prosperity, and blessings when we give. And we have great expectation of receiving these benefits when we do it. I'm going to say that again. What does it mean to give with revelation? It means when we give with revelation, we give with an understanding that God's word promises increase, favor, prosperity, and blessings when we give. And watch this. And we have great expectation of receiving these benefits when we do it. And this is what shifted for me years ago when I gave you all uh, that story last week when I gave my first $500 offering years ago. And here's the part that I didn't tell you on last week. The speaker, when she challenged me and said, man of God, if you'll give that $500, God will bless you. Two things happened. First of all, I asked the Lord. I was like, Lord, do I give this money? And he said, give the money. And so this is what she said after that. She said, write on the envelope everything you want God to bless you with. And you know what happened, church? God blessed me with everything I wrote on that envelope. Say amen to that. And so from that day until now, my expectation when I give is based on the revelation that giving always blesses me and it always blesses people. Now, let me tell you where I've grown from there. 
Because it's one thing to obey God when you're challenged. It's another thing to obey God because his word says it. But then it's another thing to obey God because you love him. And see, now I've reached a point where I do it, not because he's going to bless me. I know he's going to do that. Not because increase is going to come in my life. I know that's going to happen. And not because it's going to bless another person. I know that's going to happen too. But I do it because I love him. And if you love somebody, guess what? You'll listen to him. Amen? Amen. So there's one major area, though, that can clog up the manifestation of the harvest like dirt can clog up a sink. And it's the condition and the motivation of our heart. Which is what my first point is. So if you're taking notes, here's point number one. If you're following us online, here's point number one. Giving with revelation must be balanced by my motivation. I'm going to say that again. Giving with revelation must be balanced by my motivation. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 says this. But this I say, he who sows or gives sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he who sows or gives bountifully shall reap also what church? Bountifully. But then verse 7 gives us the motivation. He says, every man, according as he purposes, where church? In his heart. So let him do what? Give. So giving comes from where? It comes from the heart. Then he says, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now here's what's interesting about the word grudgingly. When you look it up, it has two different Greek words so that we can understand what it fully means. And the first Greek word is the word ek, ek. Everybody say ek. And it means, watch this, out of or from. So he was saying when we give, don't give it out of or from. And that word ek is used 914 times in the Bible. But it's only translated one time as the word grudgingly. So what I want to do is just show you in Matthew chapter 15 verse 19, this word grudgingly, so you can see it doesn't just mean to be grudging. It also means out of or from. So in Matthew 15 verse 19 it says, for out of the heart, that word out of is that word ek or the word grudgingly. He says for out of or from the heart, Proceeds what? Evil thoughts and murders and adulterers and fornications and thefts and false witnesses and blasphemies. Now, the second meaning of this Greek word is the word lupe. Say lupe. Now, this word actually means sadness, grief, heaviness, and sorrow. And I've remembered feeling like that when I had to give sometime. Come on, you can feel like that towards your spouse. Come on now. You ever been home? You know, you like a block from the house. And they call and say, hey, can you pick this up from the store? Well, we're going to turn this into a marriage conference right now. (laughs) No, that had that ever happened to you? You got a choice. Are you going to give out of grief, sadness, heaviness, and sorrow... Are you going to do it out of love? I had to let that settle. Because I'm going to show you how to fix your heart today. So listen, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 is really saying this. 
When you give, don't do it out of or from a place of sadness, grief, heaviness, or sorrow. Now, it didn't say you wouldn't or couldn't feel that way. Okay? It didn't say that. It just said don't give from that place. And this is where you learn, watch this church, how to give from your will instead of giving from how you feel. Say amen to that. So let's take Jesus because the whole series title is Jesus, the gift that keeps on giving. So let's look at his life to see how his, how he had to adjust his motivation when it came time to give. Because he was in a situation where he had to adjust his motivation when it was time for him to give of his life. Matthew chapter 26 verse 37. It says, and he, Jesus, took with him Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, and watch what happened to Jesus. He began to be what? Sorrowful and what else? Very happy. Do those words sound familiar? That's that word grudgingly. He says, listen, he began to feel sorrowful and very heavy. And then verse 38, he said to them, my soul. Now that's going to be important in just a minute. He says, my soul is exceeding sorrowful. Now, see, the average person wouldn't use language like that. Because when a lot of people's souls are very or exceedingly sorrowful, they cuss people out. He says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. He says, stay you here and watch with me. And he went a little further. He fell on his face and he prayed saying, listen to his prayer. Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. And then he says something now that's different. He says, nevertheless, not as I will stop. That means his will was different from God's will. Okay. He says, not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, he came to his disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, could you not watch with me one hour? And then verse 41 says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Watch this. This is clear. He says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Verse 42, he went away again. He prayed the second time. And he says, Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And then he came and found them sleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them, watch this church, and he went away again, and he prayed a what? He prayed a what? A third time, saying the same thing. You know why, church? Because sometimes you have to pray again over something you might be still doing. If you're struggling, you can be tithing and struggling doing it. That means you need to be praying. Lord, please help me to do your will, not my will. Say amen to that. And I want you to notice that Jesus felt the emotions of being heavy and exceedingly sorrowful in his soul. But he stuck with the decision to give his life from the spirit. And that's why he says the spirit is willing, but the what? Flesh is what's weak. And so what he encountered was the weakness of his flesh, which is the soul, but he didn't give into it. Matthew chapter 26, verse 37, it says it. He took with him and it reads that he was sorrowful. So Jesus had to adjust his motivation. He did not allow his soul to dictate his obedience. Say amen to that. Which now takes us to point number two. Here's point number two. My heart affects my harvest my heart affects my harvest just like the soil in the ground 
of the land that the farmers own, just like a perfectly good seed would not properly produce in bad soil, is the same way with us. We don't realize that our heart affects our harvest. Everybody say, my heart affects my harvest. So this point here, I'm going to dive into it. And, I, and here's what I want you to see from it. Maybe, just maybe, you're not getting a return at the level it should be from your giving. Because maybe your heart, I'm going to use some slang here, ain't in a good place. Going through divorce, when I went through a divorce, it was by far the most difficult thing I would ever experienced. But one of the things that I focused on while I was going through those challenging moments was to not let my heart get contaminated. I did not let my heart get contaminated with permanent pain, with bitterness, toxic anger, fear, mistrust from God, distrust from people. Why? Because listen, church, I knew my heart has successfully got me to where I was in life. And listen, overall, I had a good life. And listen, let me say this to you. Even though bad things may happen in life, that doesn't mean your whole life is bad, church. And that's what people do. They go through a bad time in life and they let that one bad time contaminate the rest of their life. You had a good life before that one situation. You just experienced a bad situation. And so I knew that if I let my heart get bad, I was jeopardizing my future increase, prosperity, blessings, and favor. And that's why Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 is so important. It says, keep your heart. And this is what nobody else can do for you. Nobody can keep your heart but you. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence because out of your heart comes the issues of life. The New Living Translation of that verse says this, guard your heart above all else. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. Listen to the Living Bible. It says, above all else. Watch this. Guard your heart. Guard your affections. Watch this. Because they influence everything else in your life. My heart, your heart influences everything in your life. And you don't want to, you know, you want to know why if you're single, you're still single? Because Tyrone messed your heart up. You better let go of Tyrone. Let him go. All these young people, all these millennials and all these online social media people talk about what you bring into the table. The problem is you're bringing a bad heart to the table. Oh, you may make good money and you may be fine as a dime with some change left over. But your heart's messed up. Yeah, that I call on Jesus. Calling. Church, listen to me. Your heart influences every area of your life. So it is very important that you get it straight and keep it straight. 
So here's how this works. See, your thoughts, everybody say my thoughts. Your thoughts are where you process how you feel, what you see, and what you experience. That's what your your mind does. That's what your thoughts does. But your heart is where you decide to believe what you have processed. Let me go back over that again. Your thoughts, everybody say my thoughts. Your thoughts are where you process how you feel. What you see, what happens to you, or what you experience. But your heart is where you decide to believe what you processed. So if my mind and my thoughts are consistently bad, and I accept those things, then my heart says, hey, that's what, that must be what they want to believe. And that's what your heart believes. Because our heart is where we believe. Romans chapter 10 verse 8. Most of you all know the verse. I'm actually going to jump down to verse 9. It says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. And shall believe where church? In your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Verse 10 verifies it again. But with the heart man does what? Believe. So if I believe from my heart. If our heart is where we believe from. Then watch this. What we believe about giving has come from the condition of our heart. Did you get that? The struggle to give doesn't come from how much money you make or don't make. It actually comes from the condition of where your heart is. In other words, our motivation for giving starts with the heart. Listen to Exodus chapter 25 because it gives us the motivation from how we give from the heart. This was God talking to Moses. He says, Moses, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. See right there, that contradicts what the world has fed us. Because we think when we give an offering, we're giving it to the church. Wow. Thank you for those three separate amens. He said, tell them to bring me an offering. And that's what most of us are messed up. Because we think we're giving it to somebody other than God. He said, tell them to bring me an offering. Of every man that gives it, give it how, church? Willingly. And when you give it willingly, you're giving it with what? Your heart. And then he says, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. And then he tells them, What kind of offering it is. See, most Christians, non-Christians, have been bamboozled by the world, by the devil, by the flesh when it comes to giving. And it's messed their hearts up. See, whether it was mama them, Keisha them, my cousin them, my old church them. All of us have allowed our hearts to get messed up. And that's why, listen church, our harvests have been hindered, held up, or minimized. See, if your heart is not right when it comes to giving, if it ain't right, then your harvest is going to be hindered, held up, or minimized. Because, listen church, you can only reproduce after your kind. A bad heart can only produce a bad harvest. Okay, Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, watch what it says. It says, a good man, out of the good treasure of his what, church? Heart. He brings forth what? Good things. But then he says, an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his, brings forth what? Evil things. So listen, the condition of my heart 
determines the condition of my harvest. Everybody say the condition of my heart determines the condition of my harvest. So I'm getting ready now to read a parable. It's a long parable, so I want to prepare you. But when we read this parable, I want you and I to focus on the ground or the condition of the soil because that's the determinate factor of having a quality harvest. So I'm reading now out of Matthew chapter 13 in the New Living Translation. I want you to follow me because if you can get what I'm about to share right now, if you can get this. Whenever you get, and when I'm talking about giving now, I know I'm focused. It sounds like I'm focused on just money. I'm not. I'm talking about how you give to your spouse. How do you give to your children? How do you give, watch this, as a worker at work? How you give as a boss? Oh, I got my own business. Nobody can tell me nothing. But how you treat the people that work for you? You know, unfortunately, some Christians, some of us, our hearts are so bad that God has to couple us with bosses that are so worldly that they have to cuss us out for us to get it. Now, some of y'all need to be cussed out. I I don't believe in cussing. I don't cuss. But some of y'all, you need to be cussed out because you don't get it. Oh, don't look at me like that. No, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. Maybe your boss cusses you out because that's the only time you listen. Now, just look at your neighbor and say, I don't know who he's talking to. Now, look at your other neighbor and say, but I think he's talking to you, though. Matthew chapter 13. First time, don't leave out of here talking about pastor say my boss need to cuss me out. I did say that. I did say that. Matthew 13 verse 1 says, later that same day, Jesus left the house and he sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him so that he got into a boat. Then he sat there and he taught the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some what? Seeds. Everybody say seeds. Some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some of these seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Notice now that the footpath is a type of soil. Then he says, verse 5. Other seeds fell on shallow soil. Everybody say shallow soil. With underlying rock, the seeds sprouted up quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun because they didn't have deep roots. And so they died. Verse 7. Other seeds fell among thorns. Everybody say thorns. See, that's a type of soil. He says, and that grew up and it choked out the tender plants. Watch verse 8. Still other seeds fell on what kind of soil, church? Say it again. Come on, say it again. Come on, somebody type it in 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 the comments. Everybody say fertile soil. Some seeds fell on fertile soil. And watch what happened to them. They produced a crop. And I want to show you that the type of soil 
that this seed fell in is what determined the fold of the seed. Because he says it fell on fertile soil and then it produced a crop that was what? 30, what else? 60, and even what? A hundred times as much as had been planted. And then he says anyone that has ears to hear, he should listen. So now we're going to jump down to Matthew chapter 13 where he explains this parable. Because this is where I believe breakthrough is going to happen for a lot of you all today. See, I really want to reach, I want you to reach a place in your life where your heart is so free to obey God that it it won't even cause fear when he tells you to do what he wants you to do. Watch this now. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and they don't understand it. Watch this now, church. The evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was what, church? Planted where? Okay, so get, so watch this. Let's just make up our minds right here. The heart here represents the soil. Because that's the seed that he's talking about. Notice now, the evil one was able to take the seed of the word from the heart of the person because they didn't understand. And that's why I teach. Now, I know you might feel better, you know, when you can watch, you know, the different preachers. And by the way, I was praying for the church last week and the Lord told me to tell some of you all, you need to start fasting some of these preachers you're listening to. You need to stop, start fasting. Stop them. Just y'all, some of y'all, y'all's diet is terrible. Your spiritual diet is terrible. He says, listen, focus them on you. And then after a while, they can go back right now with what you're trying to do and what God wants to do in your life. You listening to too many voices. Amen. It says here, then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that's planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Verse 21. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or they are persecuted for believing God's word. Look in verse 22. Notice they were persecuted for believing God's word. That'll happen to you too. The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil. Everybody say good soil. Good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. And this is what happens to them. They produce a harvest of 30, 60 or even 100 times as much as planted. Which means now my heart determines my harvest. So here's a take home statement. Now this is going to be kind of wild. Here's a take home statement. You ready? Your billfold is determined by your heart fold. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to say that again. Your billfold is determined by your heart fold. In other words, the condition of your heart determines the increase of your harvest. So here's the question. Can a perfectly good seed produce increase in terrible soil? Let me ask the question again because I want to answer from you. Can a perfectly good seed produce increase in a terrible soil? No. So watch this. That's why giving isn't done or when it is done, it doesn't work at high levels for people because the soil of their hearts aren't good. So here's the question as we get ready to close in just a second here. 
How do we straighten out our hearts so that we can properly give and learn to give at new levels? How do we straighten out our heart? Because see, some of y'all don't know. Your, a bad heart is like COVID. You don't know you got it. You have to be tested. And the test comes up every time we get paid. Oh, y'all, oh, y'all hear me? Giving is like that. It's, and see, the thing about it is, we wanna think or act like everything's alright, but we're walking around contaminated. So, how do we, here's the question, how do we straighten out our hearts so that we can properly give and learn how to give at new levels? Here's point number three, the last one. My heart can be corrected by how my mouth is directed. My heart can be corrected by how my mouth is directed. See, the first thing we must understand about a changed heart is that God, first of all, is greater than our heart. Meaning that regardless of the condition my heart is in right now, God can fix it. First John chapter 3 verse 20 says this, For if our heart, if it condemns us, Church, listen, God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. That Now listen, that don't mean that we walk around and say, well, he know my heart, so I'm not going to do it. No, no, that ain't what that means. It's saying that he can fix your heart where it is. But he can't fix something that we don't want him to fix or we don't think that needs fixing. You walking around with a COVID heart and you spreading it. And don't even know you got it. So we must come to a place where we know things can be better in our hearts. And then watch this church. And we repent so God can restore the condition of our heart. Listen to Revelation chapter 2 verse 5. He says, remember therefore from whence you've fallen. And then he says to do what? Repent. So here's the question. How do you repent? How do you do that? You repent with your mouth. That's where it starts. First John chapter 1 verse 9 says is if we confess our what? sins, what's that happen? He's faithful and just to do what? And forgive us. But it didn't stop there. It's one thing to be forgiven. It's another thing to be cleansed. He says not only when we confess with our mouth or confess our sin, he says he's faithful and just to cleanse us. And Romans 10, 9 tells us how to confess or repent. It says confess with your mouth. So here's the truth of the matter. God and only God is the one that can change our heart. So listen to the New Living Translation of Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. And I'm going to be closing with application. And I have a special prayer that I've written that will help us repent. Where... If you have some struggling areas in your heart, because out of your heart flows life. So if you have some struggling areas, if you struggle with giving, if you struggle with, 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 with uh, being a blessing, and if you struggle with just attitude, it all starts from the inside. I wrote this prayer and I almost cried from the prayer. I know it's going to produce some repentance in the room. Because I can see some doors are closed because our hearts are. 
Listen to this. Deuteronomy 30 verse 6. Let's read it together. The Lord your God will change your heart and the hearts of all of your descendants so that you will love him with all your heart and so, so you may live. Notice it says that God is the one that can change the heart. So how do we apply this today? Here's number one. We have to be honest with ourselves regarding the condition of our heart when it comes to giving. See, you're married. Oh, my God. You're doing less now as a spouse than you did when you started. Wow. I think that's the first time in history I've never gotten an amen. Not even one. I need to run the tape back. (laughs) No, no, no. You're doing less. Something's happened in here. Number two, we're going to repent to God. Number three, you have to ask God to change your heart to be like his. So they're going to put this prayer of repentance regarding giving. They're going to put it on the screen. Hopefully they got it. They can put it. Yeah. And we're going to read this together. You say, well, pastor, I don't know what it means. So I don't know if I'm ready to pray it. See, that's why you need to pray it right there. Now, let me ask you a question. How many, based on the message, believe they can give better in all areas? I'm talking about giving people, giving that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I want you to pray this prayer and we're going to pray it together. So let's read it together. Father, I know that my heart has issues with giving to you and toward the giving to others. I have not fully trusted you in this area of my life. My heart has been hurt because I seem to have overgiven to others and never seem to get it back. Therefore, I felt used. I have not always trusted you in my giving to you because I have been fearful that you won't come through when I needed you. Therefore, I have trusted in me and the works of my hands over trusting in your word, which is true. Lord, I have allowed my negative attitude or perspective regarding giving to a church to pervert pervert the truth, which is that I really should be giving as unto the Lord and not unto men. So today, I repent for the condition of my heart. Forgive me for allowing my heart to get to this negative place. And I pray Deuteronomy 30 and declare over my heart right now that the Lord my God will change my heart and the hearts of all of my descendants so that I will love you with all of my heart and soul so that I may live. I declare that my heart is cleansed, whole, and healed So that I can be a cheerful giver like you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you receive that? So with every head bowed, Spirit of God, begin to change hearts right now. Right now, those who prayed that prayer who are watching me and those who prayed that prayer that's in this house. Begin to do something we can't do. Holy Spirit, we can't do it. Because if we could have done it, we'd have done it by now. We need your help. 
And so I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you begin to change every heart, change every stubborn heart, change every unwilling heart, change every contaminated heart, change every hurting heart, change every used heart. Change every heart that feels like they were used and abused. Change it right now. And Father, in advance, I thank you that you're raising up this church in a way that is going to change the course of this metroplex. I believe it's going to change the course of our world. As we adhere to what the Spirit wants to do and say in our midst. And I thank you for it now in Jesus' name. With every head still bowed and every eye closed. And maybe if you're watching, here's my question to you. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Because if you're not sure you'd go to heaven when you pass away or if you die, and we all will unless Jesus comes back first, guess what? It's time for you to make a decision.